0: this guy it's good to see you it's working right the mic's working can you hear me it's working okay cool um who who wasn't here last year and heard me speak like this is new it's first time okay cool so most of you came back awesome good um I just want to really brag on uh, Paul and your guys's church and I have been privileged to be able to just travel uh I'm just thankful for God, man. Like we talk about, oh, the guy with the microphone. I was a tire guy, okay? Like I worked on cars for 15 years before Jesus got 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 my life. And so many times we, we may look at somebody that has the microphone, and you know what, he is the same person as the people sitting in the chairs. Okay, I'm I'm serious. It's like we gotta realize that it's Christ in us that is the hope of glory, not Christ in the guy with the microphone, it's Christ in every single believer on the face of the planet. That is why they're, okay, I gotta calm down. I gotta say hello first. I gotta, I get excited about God. Okay, because I know what he's done in my life and during worship, Christian, you messed me up. I was crying, like just trying to pull myself together because of what Christ did for us. I mean, guys, we can't forget where we came from. We can't forget where we came from. Sometimes in Christian worlds, we have Christian amnesia. Sometimes we have Christian amnesia, meaning sometimes we forget where we came from. What I'm saying is sometimes we put up a nose when we see sin in people's lives. So uh, I'm saying sometimes we see the pain or the sin of the world and sometimes we can get disgusted. And I'm not saying we like sin, but we cannot forget where we came from. If you smell the smoke on somebody, don't get disgusted with the smell of smoke. Many of you used to, you got saved out of smoking. We cannot forget. And when Kristen was, was singing, I was like, oh my gosh, he rescued me. He rescued me, man. He rescued us, guys. Ah, Jesus, thank you for rescuing us, man. And he's continuing to rescue us out of bondage. You know that? God has freedom for all of us, man. There's no snare. There's no trap that God intends to keep us in. None. And some things we get saved out of instantly. Like for me, the second I got saved, I quit swearing. I used to beep, beep, beep every three words. Beep. And then I just got saved. And I wasn't trying to not swear. But all of a sudden, my language changed, man. And I got, and in the last, Fifteen years, I haven't sworn that I know of it. Maybe I had. I don't think I've sworn. And I've not tried to not swear. God's grace came into my, to my life and changed me, man. But then there was other areas of my life that wasn't instant. It wasn't instant freedom. There other areas that I had to fight for freedom. Purity was an area in my life I had to fight for freedom. It didn't just come. And I'm just saying we're all sitting in our beautiful walk with God this morning, and we've been rescued out of darkness in so many areas, but I wanna say if there's any areas of your life that you're not having freedom, there's freedom for us, guys. There's freedom for all of us. See, I can't, that's why I have to do an introduction video because I can't even say, do my introduction because I got an introduction. I wanna show you guys some stuff, but I get the mic and I I just gotta shout I just gotta shout for what Christ has done, what he's done, and we can't be quiet. But I got some pictures, because Paul and I, we did a lot of work this morning preparing, and so we gotta show you a slide show. <laughs> let's, play, let's put on the first picture, the first, the first picture. <laughs> Can we put up the first picture, please? Okay, who knows who Paul Henderson is? You guys know who Paul Henderson is? Okay, <clears throat> so my father, has been telling me stories about Paul Henderson since I was a little kid. And the story is that, well, it's actually a true story, it's in Paul Henderson's book. But my grandmother, my popo, I'm Chin- I'm half Chinese, so my grandmother is a mail order bride from China. She was actually sent away and paid for, basically. And the reason they liked my, my popo, my grandmother, is because she actually had the biggest hips of all the people that, all the women of the pictures my Popo had the biggest hips and 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 so my grandpa and the family in the Chinese culture the the bigger the family the more prosperous prosperous that you will be and so they wanted to have lots of kids and so my Popo had 14 children 14 my my dad was the youngest child out of the 14 my that's my dad and so um, so they they had an American restaurant. Well, it was Chinese American, but the basement of this restaurant they would put uh, water down. And in the winter time, they would l- play hockey <laughs> and, uh, underneath of the restaurant. In the basement it was a hockey rink. Okay, but in the neighborhood was a young boy named Paul Henderson that was very poor. But in our uh, our family, the Chin family, there was a lot of hockey players, and we'll show you uh, some of them actually got to. T- try out for the Maple Leafs back in 1944. But my dad tells me that my uncle Jack gave Paul Henderson his very first pair of ice skates. And Paul Henderson will mention this in his book. So I was with my dad in February and um, he got, my dad got miraculously healed out of a coma. It was incredible. He almost died and God did a miracle. And so I went up to see my dad. He lives in Maple Ridge in February. And I gotta sit down with him and it, he gotta show me pictures of Paul Henderson and, and, and these pictures. So we'll play the nec- we'll show you the next picture. And so in the, the gentleman on the right with the hat, or uh, that's Paul Henderson, okay? The, the, the young boy on the top left, that's Alan Chin, that's my father. And this is in uh, Paul Henderson's book. Okay, and then we'll play the next slide. And then these are my uncles. And this was at the tryout camp for the Toronto Maple Leafs. Um, that's my Uncle George, my Uncle Albert in the middle, that he's my godfather, and my Uncle, or Uncle Morley on the left, Uncle George on the right. And then we'll ship the next picture. And then that's my Uncle Abe. And so, when I, so I know Paul loves hockey. So I was like, I got to, so I, when I told him, he's like, you got to tell my people. You got to tell my people, man. This is like Canadian folk- folklore. You got to tell my people. And so this is the first time I've ever like bragged on my relationship with Paul Henderson ever, you know, but I just thought you might like it. So anyway, so that was the first time. And so that's really cool. So Paul Henderson, uh, he has a quote and he said that he says he couldn't find contentment in his achievements. Okay, Paul Henderson now is a born again Christian. If you didn't know, he's a preacher, he's a a speaker, but he said in, in life. Uh, with all of his achievements, he actually couldn't find contentment. It was Christ where he actually found his contentment in life. That's cool, right? So uh, we're we're gonna play a video for you. Um, I got to be in Latvia uh, this this last year, and we just went out to love people. Like our goal. I was I was talking to a lady yesterday, and she was saying how. Um, healing the sick is awesome like it's great learning about healing the sick it's, it's great learning about the gifts of the spirit but our heart isn't to just do signs wonders miracles our, our hearts not to do the stuff our heart is to love people like the bible says we've been commanded to love and so our heart is that we go out when we go out and see people i'll also explain more of our heart position we want to love people And why we love them, God will speak things of his heart to them. And if they need a healing, that's part of the package of the gospel. But the motive always is love. And so we were in Latvia, and uh, there's a lady that we saw uh, sitting across uh, the street. You'll see in the video. and And I just had a thought. I was like, I think she has a problem with her back. It was just like a subtle thought. Like, I think she has something going on with her back. When we walked over to her, we found out that 15 years earlier, She had gotten a car accident and her spine got severed. And so from the from the waist down, she has had no feeling in her legs. And you'll see in the video, there's a a younger girl with me that's translating. And it's hard to see in the video, but the, the young girl was doing actually more of the praying. Like it shows me too, but I was having her doing the praying. It was the first time that she's ever prayed. But you'll see Jesus gave this lady brand new feeling and heals this lady. It's a, it's a supernatural miracle in Latvia, so we wanted to we wanted to show this to you so we could brag on Jesus. This lady just got healed. No feeling in her legs, 15 years, this lady just got healed by Jesus. Jesus just healed her, just now, come on! Woo! So my good friend, Ben Fitzgerald, he started this Awakening Europe uh, thing in his heart a few years ago in Nuremberg, Germany, and the whole part behind this was to really ignite a generation to really believe that that Europe can be saved. So right now in the streets of Latvia there's actually hundreds of young people, young people at heart that are actually white haired, that are out sharing the good news of, of Jesus Christ all over the city. So for me it was actually probably 10 years ago or so I started seeing even some YouTube videos of different people going on the streets praying for people. And seeing, and seeing miracles happen. And I actually didn't even know that happened. I thought only miracles really happened inside church. I just didn't really know about it. And so it really created kind of an excitement, but also a hunger if maybe this could be happen in my life also. And so I ended up going to a school uh, where they started teaching and training about that, that this could be a normal part of everybody's life. Every believer can actually walk like this. But the thing is, it took me a little bit of time to like grow into it. I actually skipped my first four weeks of outreach class. I was so afraid, like like to do, to talk, just to walk up to someone, to even think about telling them that even like, Jesus loved you, it terrified me, man. Like I skipped four weeks, my first four weeks of outreach, man, I was so afraid. And God just started telling me that I didn't have to be this supernatural miracle worker. He's like, he's like, son, he just started teaching me, can you just love someone? He's like, son, next week, can you just go out with just the best ability that you have and the strength that you have to try your hardest to love someone the best that you can at this moment in your life? So I, I started learning that, that God could actually flow through me even if I actually felt fear. Like that was another thing that was really powerful to me. Those times where I was actually so scared to pray for someone, and I would literally b- still be trembling, but I had just enough faith to ask if I could pray, and I would pray, and I would see him healed. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh, yeah, she had mm-hmm. something was broken with her okay. back. Okay, you ask her, we want to pray for you. Um, and I'm like, God, how are you working? Like, I, I thought I always had to have faith. Like, I had to really believe. I think she's saying because of her the back, point. she's struggling to feel oh, oh, anything in okay. her knees. Okay, tell her to stay standing. Okay. Yeah, she said okay. she's really this struggling is, okay. to feel things in her knees. All right, name. something's gonna change okay you pray mm-hmm. again okay thank, yeah, you thank, you, thank you jesus and most of the time when i was starting okay. out i actually didn't even really think anything would happen and when they got healed i was actually probably more surprised or as surprised as the person and it was a real process to realize that god in me is bigger than even anything going on in my brain or mindset because actually the holy spirit lives in me and he actually already wants to heal the person and me just putting hands on them we have enough courage to put my hands on them that he can actually flow through that and so it gave me more courage every time to step out and And just seeing people helped and healed with God, it got to be actually easier than what I thought it was gonna be. And I think a lot of times in our mind, we think that we have to reach to a certain point or have so much faith and get to have all this courage. But the truth is, we just need a little mustard seed of faith, just enough to to love someone. And in that moment, God really can do miracles. For 15 yeah. years, yeah. she's had no feeling. Yeah. But now she feels, you feel this. it, <laughs> Yeah, she can feel it. And, <laughs> and, da, da means yeah. yeah? Da, 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 da. da. Okay, Jesus, mm-hmm. this is a miracle. <laughs> <laughs> this is a miracle. This is a miracle. She's <laughs> like, my head is <laughs> spitting, I cannot understand it. This is a miracle. She's like, I'm like drunk, I cannot understand it. <laughs> Miracles, Jesus, woohoo! All right, I'm cool. I just got excited. She's ah! like I could be myself. Wow, Jesus. We had a book. Did Paul take the book? Do you have a Paul? I want to give this away. Okay, we'll get you a new copy. This young man, what's your name? What is it? Londo man i the whole time during worship i just kept seeing you and um i was asking the lord who do i give the book to and he said that young man right there give him that book and then i was thinking about uh david do you know who david is in the bible yeah he was a he killed a giant and it and that that one young man killed a giant and it encouraged a whole nation and when i was sitting over there the lord was just really speaking to me and he's like give him the book because this guy's a giant killer, just like David. And, and God has big, big plans, big plans for your life, young man. And I also felt like God was just letting you know that w- with Jesus, you can do anything in life. There's, you can do anything. There's no limitations on your life. And I felt like even in school, there may be times where it's just kind of hard to sit still or, you know, because you got so much energy inside of you. And I just feel like God's saying, you're brilliant. You are so smart, and you are so brilliant. And God is going to do amazing, amazing things in your life. And Jesus loves you so much, man. So I want to give you, I'll give you this, but we'll give you a better, a brand new copy when we're done. Okay, man? All right. Bless you. Awesome. <laughs> the message this morning is a dream come true. The, the, first, the first scripture I want to share with you, it's Ephesians 1.4 and five. And it says, for he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Christ Jesus in accordance to his pleasure and will. So, so what we're looking at here is God's intention for all of humanity before he actually created the earth was adoption to sonship. God was looking for a family, okay, and that's the whole world. The next verse, Bible verses, Acts 17, 26, and 27, and it says, from one man, he made the nations that they should inhabit the whole earth, and he marked out their appointed times in history and the boundaries of their lands. God did this so they would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him, though he is not far from any of us. So the previous scripture said how God's plan for all of mankind was adoption, but now we're starting to see how he's taking the big picture of all humanity, but now it's kind of narrowing down more personally, because now he's, he's saying that from one man, he made all the inhabitants of the earth, but then now he's saying that he marked out their appointed times in history, meaning that God knew our life, that on the whole timeline of all eternity, he knew the timeline when you would exist in the big timeline. So now it's narrowing down to more of a personal focus on our life and the boundaries of their lands. Meaning that God actually knew, foreknew, that at this time in life, you would actually be living in this region during and this specific time. It's getting much more personal now, an individual now of his plan for us. The next Bible verse, Jeremiah 1.5. It says, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. So this is God talking to Jeremiah now. And he's saying, I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. So this Bible verse is, is very famous. It's 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 very quoted. You see it on a lot of uh, things that are hanging on walls. But the other day, it just really like kind of grabbed me fresh. And I'm like, I'm like, okay, God, you're telling Jeremiah, before he was created in his mother's womb, you knew Jeremiah. Like 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 how is this? Is it okay if I step down for a second? Down for a how, how is it possible that uh, what is your name again? Delondo. How how, how could it be possible? Be- because God says there's no respecter of persons, right? No respecter of persons. So we could put our life into the context of this verse. God saying, Jeremiah, before I formed you, I knew you, but He could say, Delando, before I formed you, I knew you. Right? What is your name? Rhonda? So he could be like Rhonda before I formed you, I knew you. What does this mean? Like how I can't know him until he's born. He didn't exist yet. You know, I couldn't know Rhonda before she was born because she wasn't here yet. How can God know us before we were formed? Next, next slide. This is what I believe with all of my heart. Every, 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 everything we see around us, everything was not just built. Like, like those chairs, these are beautiful chairs, by the way. Paul, good choice. They're comfortable, nice, awesome chairs. But these chairs didn't just pop up in the factory and now they're built. These chairs had to first be designed by a designer internally every every invention everything that's been crafted was fills, was first built internally in the heart of the designer does that make sense then the next stage is they're like okay we want to build the best chairs we ever have what are we going to do with the chairs we're going to have them be really comfortable so if the preacher goes on longer than the cus- you know then the people are happy still like we're going to have really good cushions and the but I'm just saying, but he starts writing, designing it out. And then there's a prototype, and there's a process to things that are important, that are valuable. You actually take more time to build something that has the most value. Would you agree? If, if I gave you, um, if, if God said, hey, what's your name? What is it? Donovan. Donovan. If, 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 if a financier came up to you, a, a rich person, and said, hey, you go build you a dream house, like, like no caustic you can buy anything. You could have gold plated walls. You could do whatever, no expenses spared. You wouldn't just go down and just buy the, the local track house. that was just thrown together. You would research to see what is the best of the best of the best. And you would plan it ahead of time, wouldn't you? Okay. You would give it away. That's awesome. But you would want to give away the best. You wouldn't just say, hey, have this. If your heart's to bless someone else and you had no money, you would be like, you'd build the best to be the best blessing to give it away. The Bible says that we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. So how much more did God think about our lives? And I, I'm saying, I don't know how many, much time it was, but in this verse about before I formed you, I knew you, it could have been 2,000 years ago. I don't know. But I know before each and every one of us was born we first started in the heart of god we first started in the heart of god and so this is how i see it i see in heaven i don't know how many years ago but i know before we were actually born before our mother and father came together and there was a natural process of us being created there was a process of god designing us in heaven before we were because even in jeremiah's case he says before i before i formed you i knew you and I appointed you as a prophet to the nations, meaning I'm not calling everybody to be a prophet. Some people are teachers. There was a specific calling and purpose on Jeremiah's life. Likewise, there is a special calling and purpose on every one of our lives too. So the way I see it is I see in heaven, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are having a whiteboard session about you in heaven years before you were, and they're like, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, they're like, okay, we have no money, we can build anything we want, but let's build something we've never done before. Let's build an original, somebody that's created in our image, but a unique expression that has never been manifested on the earth before. And so I see Father, Son, and Holy Spirit being like, okay, what are we going to put inside of him? And if it was Alex, Alex, when was your birthday? February 11th 1996 so they're like okay February 11th 1996 Alex is going to be born what are we going to put inside of him that is special and unique that is just him and so father son and holy spirit they're like let's make purity on his life a big deal let's make leadership on his life a big deal let's make faithfulness on his life a big deal let's make him so faithful that when he gives his hand to his wife in in, in july man that he's going to be faithful all the days of his life because we've created that inside of him let's make him kind but let's make him powerful let's make him have such a meekness like jesus but let's give him a heart of a lion and they writing about him and so on february 11th on your birthday I'm sorry Vanessa, but you probably were in pain, you know, in the birthing room, you know, I have three children, I have five grandchildren and I've been at every birth of my daughter and I've been right outside the cover or the whatever you call it, the veil. And I'd be out there with my phone because I want to catch the baby's voice when he's crying, you know, and and I'd hear my daughter like, "Ah!" you know, I'm praying supernatural childbirth, supernatural childbirth, no pain, it wasn't working, supernatural (laughs) childbirth. And i like, I was like, Grace, and my daughter's like, ah, and then I, like, put record, like, trying to listen, trying to listen, no baby, okay, so delete, like, I'm waiting, you know, for, like, 45 minutes to an hour, you know, I want to catch the baby, va- my, my grandson's first cries, but Vanessa, I imagine Vanessa was, like, probably in pain, you, you know, ba- you have mama, mamas, you have kids, you're, like, you're pushing, like, nah, but, but I don't see Paul and Vanessa and whoever was in the birthing room, they were not alone in that moment. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit—we're right there too. They're right there too. Alex is getting ready, and maybe he's, i don't want to be too graphic—but maybe he's crowning. You know what I'm saying? And, and they're like we're like they're like Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are like he's coming, man. Here he comes. He's coming. This world changer that's gonna shake the world. Here he comes. He's on the scene. And God never would ever look at Alex's life differently apart from His original design and His intent. God would always look at his life according to the original plan and the origin of god's design over him does that make sense and i think the lord that alex is following god i think the lord that he is has his roots in christ but let's say something else happened in alex's life let's say for some unfortunate circumstance he was more like the prodigal son that was raised in a good family and raised with love and did mom and dad, did all the right things. But he, but let's say Alex just made bad choices along the way and Alex is in the pig pen and he was just making a mess out of his life. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit would still look at Alex's life, man, from the original design, from the original design. And that's our call. That's our call as Christians. That's our call as Christians. is is not to point out people's darkness and sin. It's okay. It's not okay to sin. But what I'm saying, uh, we can look at people by the original design of what God had intended from the first place. And meet them and love them. and, And I'm not saying that we just look past sin. It's okay. It's not. But it's not sin that God's looking at. Like Jesus came not because of man's wretchedness. It's because their value that he saw And there was darkness that had contaminated them. He never, God never once just looked at humankind and was like, I'm so disgusted, man. I'm just so appalled. I just, there's so much darkness. There's just so much evil. I just don't even want to look. I'll turn away. Jesus, you go get them. No, man. The Bible says, for God so what? Loved the world. He saw his sons and daughters that he had dreamt of and thought of and had a destiny for. Get born into a life of pain. Get born into a life of, of darkness. And, 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 you know, sometimes sin done against us produces sin in us. I'm saying, guys, like, there's a destiny that we can get past just looking at problems. And we can be like, God, show me your heart. Show me your heart. Show me. I know on the outside I see Oh, I see tattoos, I see like, ah, I've seen people that say, I hate God. I've seen people on their foreheads, man, that had antichrist symbols on their forehead. I, I've seen people that, that had tattooed their whole faces up and say, I hate God. You think that repulses him? You think that like, he's like, oh, he's went over the line now, he's just too far now. He's got permanent ink on his face, that can't be washed off. Do you think God does this? No. What do you think he's doing? Loving. Loving. Let's say his name is Johnny. Let's say it's Johnny that has the tattoo on his forehead. What is God doing? He's like, Johnny, you're in a lot of pain. Johnny, you are in a lot of pain, man. Johnny, but I haven't forgotten. I haven't forgotten. I haven't forgotten. I have hope for you, Johnny. And you know what? I'm going to send one of my believers. I'm going to send one of my children. I'm going to send one of my bride of Christ that knows me and that can see past the darkness and see past the sin and can speak life and hope and truth to you, Johnny. And Johnny, you might reject me when they come. Johnny, you might reject me a hundred times. But Johnny, I'm coming for you 101. 101, Johnny. God's saying, Johnny, you cannot stop me from loving you. Amen. Amen. Our job is to be sowers of the kingdom of God. Sowers. We'll look at the next Bible verse. It says we are created anew in Christ so we can do good things he planned for us long ago. So so earlier we we're saying like we are God's masterpiece. He designed us. He crafted us. He Thought about us. We're not just a pro- product of our parents coming together in a night of passion. No, we're not, man. We're not. We're not. The Bible says call no man on earth your father. But now we have a heavenly father. It doesn't mean on Father's Day you're sinning if you send a card to your dad. Like, oh, it's Father's Day, but I don't want to sin. The Bible says I can't say happy Father's Day. Call no man on earth. You know, don't. it doesn't mean that, obviously, guys. But what it's saying, father means where we come forth from. Where's, where's our origin now? So what it's saying is now that we're in Christ, it doesn't matter what our natural life, our past looked like. We have a new lineage now. We have a new bloodline now in Christ. It means all the old things are passed away now in Christ. Everything, beholder, is new. So then the next verse. Okay, I'm reading this one. It's Mark chapter 4. We're going to start in 13, and I'm just going to read through it. It's the parable of... The sowing in the four soil conditions. Because I said, our job is to receive the love of God, okay? And I, and I don't want to be up here. The, the problem sometimes when someone comes up here and we're like, we got to share Jesus. We got to evangelize. We got to spread the world. The ho- We're the hope of the world. It's all true. It really is true. In Moncton, I'm sorry, nobody else is going to reach Moncton. Well, there's other churches, but I'm saying the, the bride of Christ is going to reach Moncton. Like, like Jesus ain't coming down on a cloud and going to rescue you. It's like, no. You know why? because we're here you're here right so he has hope for us but there is the truth of the responsibility but the problem is is a lot of times we speak a message like this and then condemnation comes or it's like i'm just not doing enough i'm just not doing enough i hadn't read my bible enough this week i i'm just saying we can't get under condemnation of sharing the gospel we have to get to where the newness of what god did for us really grabs our heart again okay when, when, when each one of us got, got saved, no one probably had to tell you to share what happened in your life. I hope I don't sound like I'm coming down. I'm not coming down on nobody, man. But I'm saying, when we really got touched and born again by God, no one had to tell us to share Jesus, man. It was the most natural thing. That we, we, we wanted our friends to know. We wanted our mom to know. We wanted our coworkers to know. God changed my life. He can change your life. No one, no one, no one told us to go do it. It was natural. But what happened, I, I, I think, and I, pro, I don't want to say I promise, I don't know, but probably what happened is when you started to go share Jesus with other people, they were not quite as excited as you were. You're like, ta-da, I got the greatest thing on the planet and I want to give it to you and here's the package and it's beautiful. And they're like, no, yeah, I don't want that. But I don't want that. Pretty soon you're like, I guess they're not as excited about this thing as I would think they should be. And then what happens? Human nature is like, I knocked on ten doors and nobody opened the door up. I guess either I'm not good at this, so I will leave this to somebody else that has better success. Or maybe once a year, I will just go try it a little bit again. I did it didn't work again. And then you got the YouTube videos of all the superstars, and every time they share that gospel, it just works. They go to Walmart, and people are getting healed and saved and baptized in the Holy Spirit, and you're like, that's their job, obviously. But what God wants, he wants to give us a heart that we have seed to sow. We have love to give away because Christ lives in us. So Mark four thirteen, 13. Jesus says, don't you understand this parable? And he's, and he's talking about the sower and the four soils. He says, if you don't understand this parable how will you understand any parable so jesus is basically saying this is the parable of parables like this is the key parable for all the other parables the sower verse 15 he says some people are like seeds along the path where the word is sown as soon as they hear it satan comes and takes away the word that was sown in them others like seeds sown on rocky places hear the word and once receive it with joy but since they have no root they last only a short time when trouble or persecution comes because the word, they quickly fall away. Still others, like seeds sown among thorns, hear the word, but the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desires of other things come in and choke the world, making it unfruitful. Others, like seeds sown on good soil, hear the word, accept it produce a crop, some 30, 60, and 100 fold that was sown. So in this parable, we see that, that the sower went out and he actually put seed on all four soil conditions right but only one out of the four had lasting fruit so i don't know about you if i was a business person or if i was a farmer just a farmer and i have a field i am really i have to pay money for the seed you know what i'm saying like like you're a farmer you're not just thinking you're actually thinking prosperity you're thinking investment you're you're, you're a businessman okay farmers are business people so you go out and you 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 buy the good seed As a good farmer, your responsibility would actually be to prepare the soil before you put the seed on. Like any good farmer with any common sense, would you go out to the field, you'd remove the big rocks, you would actually do soil analyzing tests to see if there's enough alkali, pH balance. You'd make sure the soil is perfect and ready for the seed. Then you'd get nice and perfect rows and you'd find out how far apart you need to plant the seed. And then you would have a whole follow-up plan to make sure how it's watered and covered to have the best chance of the seed producing a crop. Yeah, is that right? Any good farmer do that. But it's really weird in this parable, that, and it says that, that God is the sower, and, and it's like the word, right? Where he's sowing the word. But it, it's so interesting in this parable, the sower doesn't really seem that he's that concerned about the condition of the soil before he's actually willing to put the seed on the soil. It, it seems like it's really careless. It seems like it's really, uh, it, it seems really careless. It seems really um, foolish, a foolish farmer. One day the Lord was saying, son, he says, I'm the, I'm the farmer. He said, he said, I'm the farmer in this story. He says, I'm the farmer. And I go, really? And he was telling me how the father doesn't pre-qualify people's conditions of what he thinks they are before he's willing to put the word of God on them. He doesn't pre-qualify them. He doesn't be like, oh, that looks like hard soil right there. Oh, I don't know. This person looks like they're probably more open for the gospel over here. And we do this. It's natural minds. We see people, and there's times where the Holy Spirit will be like, go. Will you go tell them about me? And first thing, we're like, oh, they don't look open. Whoa, they definitely don't look open to you, Jesus. This happened to me at the restaurant. We were at the seafood restaurant yesterday at lunch. And the waitress comes over, and she just had darker mascara than normal, and darker hair than normal, and more tattoos than normal, and n- more than normal, a lot of things, okay? And and so then I'm like, okay, before we leave, I just want to, but I'm thinking, she's not open. She's going to probably maybe even get upset if I share Jesus. These are thoughts, right? And so we're having lunch, and then I'm thinking, ah, oh, should I, should I, should I, should I, should I, I? And I'm like, okay, yeah, I should. So at the end, we're getting ready to leave, and... I have to use the restroom, I'm just thinking, okay, God, the, the whiteboard, tell me something about this lady's life. On the outside, I can see there's pain, I can see there's brokenness, I can see there's a lot of hardness or some stuff, you know? And I just think about my daughter and my oldest daughter. She has four beautiful children, but she hasn't had the easiest life in the relationship. She's had kind of a hard go of it, okay? But my daughter is so courageous, so, so, so courageous. And when I thought of this waitress, I just saw courage and courageous kind of like written over her head. And so before I left, I was like, hey, um, can I just speak to you for just a minute? I said, when you were, um, I just told her, I was like, hey, you remind me of my daughter. And she's like, and she just smiled. She goes, really? I go, my daughter is so courageous. I said, she was a single mom for a season of her life and just uh, surviving and working a job. And she is so courageous. And this lady, just her lips started to quiver and, and her eyes started to water and she starts to tremble. And she's like, you can't make me cry here. You can't make me cry here. And I'm like, Jesus, I God loves you so much, man. And like, he just wants you to know, I felt that he's with you and he loves you and he really likes you too. He cares about you. And she's just like, thank you. I want to give you a hug, but I don't even know who you are. <laughs> and, and And it wasn't long it didn't exhaust me it didn't take away of my day it took me a minute of my time and I'm saying well, God wants to awaken us to love again guys he wants to awaken us to love again he wants to awaken us to uh, the love the freshness of when we were saved the excitement of that and and not to let people's what they say or their reaction to the gospel doesn't dictate the success of the gospel the success the success of the gospel is in the sowing it's in the love because you cannot reach, uh, reap a harvest where there's been no seed sown. And biblical farming was much different than nowadays farming. Biblical farming, the man did just go out, the sower, to a field. And he just threw seed on top of the ground. And then the job of the plowman was to go out into the field. And he would get down on his hands and knees. And he would look to see where the sower was. And his job was to plow the seed under the soil so it could grow. And so it's, that is the way the context of this parable is, is that our job is to get the love of God, the, the gospel, the kindness of God, that, that God loves you, there's a plan for you, he can help you out of darkness, he can help you with your life, he, he saved me, he rescued me, he can help you too. And in that moment what happens is no matter what their reaction is, no matter what soil condition they are, the seed is on their life now. And now what happens is heaven is looking and they're marked, by more encounters for God. And so if someone, no matter what their response is to me, and I just say, hey, man, Jesus loves you, man. Did you know that? He's got a plan for your life. He changed my life. He loves you. He, he likes you. It doesn't mean that he loves sin. He doesn't love sin, but he loves this person, so he wants to get sin off of him. He wants him to become born again because we have to be born into a new family to be saved. We have to be accept Jesus as our Lord and Savior be forgiven and washed and made new. But God's plan is he sees us new he sees through the blood of Jesus and to redeem mankind. And so if no matter what the response is, I don't, I do care. But I'm like, they could be so bad. And honestly, very few people are like, bad. most people are open. Most people are open. But no matter what the response is, I'm just like, it's too late. Like if someone says, don't ever talk, Like go, like whatever, it hardly ever happens. But if the worst case scenario was he was so anti, I would be like, have a nice day, man. And I'd have a smile on my face because I'm not rejected. I got seed on him. And I'm thinking, it's too late, man. Heaven sees the seed. It's too late. We met. It's too late. I already told you Jesus loved you, man. My job's done. It's too late. It's too late. You have seed on you. It's, it's a win-win. And I'm going to close with this. Me and my wife, we were in Basel, Switzerland, and we were praying one night. And God just said, go share me. Because that's how he talks to me. He's like, go share cookies go share me don't be a share bear go be a share bear we learned this in school we got we got the best product we it's not a product we got the best thing the world needs man and he's like go share me share me and we're like okay where do we share you tonight he's like go to the anarchy bar that's like that's the crazy wild people that have like these things and they hate government they hate church they hate everything they hate hey hate, hey hate, hate, hate. i'm like really i was like i don't even know german yet god like give me a few years you know until i go there and so we go, and we sit in a corner, and and we go, and um, at the end there's this group of about 15 people there, and we're like, hey guys, before we leave, we just had a question, does one of you have a problem, like, have a problem here with your shoulder and here, and, and they're like, why do you want to know? I said, because God gave us uh, some impressions that he wanted to heal some people. As soon as we said God, God, you know, eh, God, you know, and I was like, I knew that was coming, like I knew that was coming. That's why it took us till the end of our meal to come say hi to you guys, so so so, we, we, so then we start talking, there was this one guy in particular, man, he was just really angry, and then there was a girl, she's like, I'm lesbian, uh, God can't love me. I was like, God loves you, man, you cannot push his love away. It doesn't mean he likes that lifestyle, but he loves you. He loves you. I didn't say it that intense, because that's intense. I didn't say it like that. I said it was nice, <laughs> more calm. And, and so then, uh, so I'm talking to like these two people, and then my wife and her friend go and talk to these girls and they're just sitting with them and they're praying for them. There's two girls in the corner that were really listening and hearing how God changed the, my wife and her friend's life and they're just ministering to these girls in the corner. And then we said goodbye and we're walking down the street and and we cross a bridge and the Holy Spirit said, stop. And I go, what? He goes, pray for that young man. I go, which one? He goes, the one that was the most angry with me. And I go, okay. I said, guys, we gotta stop and pray for that young man real quick. So we grabbed hands and... We just start praying for his life. We're like, God, we mark him for the gospel. We mark him for the kingdom. God, we call him into the kingdom of God, not to just be saved, but to be radical for you. We call him. We put seeds of the kingdom over this young man's life, and we declare he's going to be saved. God, and we mark him for your goodness, God. Encounter him again. And then we just get done. We get done. And I feel God just say, thank you. Thank you. And I go, why? He goes, this young man has never had a prayer, ever. Ever prayed over his life ever he says i got something to work with now man he's like i got something to work with did we see success no we didn't see him get saved ah, but we so to see the love man and he may never have had anybody ever tell him jesus loved him before and i'm just saying guys we cannot lose with this thing We cannot let men's rejection or acceptance of the gospel dictate the love of God that flows through our life for them. And we can let God arrest our heart to see people more and more the way he sees them. And then we can be okay to just say, you know what? You are special. You are special. You were not just a product of your parents. You are special. And God loves you. I don't know if you know that. And I love you too. And that you... I don't know I'm done, man. But I'm just saying, I'm just saying he he wants to awaken the love back in our hearts more. Me too. So let's stand. I'm, we're going to pray real quick. Uh. So just put your hand on your heart. Because even when I was during worship, I was just feeling more broken than normal, man. And I was just, uh, yeah, crying. And I just feel like God wants to... Renewing our heart just the the first love not that we've walked away even I felt like I was getting renewed down there because busyness of life and sometimes even ministry it just it just is busy and just sometimes God just wants to crack our heart open to remembering when he first saved us man like like let God take you back to the moment don't need to cry I'll cry for you I'm just saying let God take you back to the moment when you first just take your memory back right now just for a second and think about your life before Jesus. Maybe you were real grown up in the church, and you, it's great, but you still had to make a choice for Jesus to be born again at a certain age. But many of us, man, we, it was much different before and after. But just for a second, think of your life before Christ came. Just think of the hopelessness. Just think before Christ. And then just think of now how Christ gave you a new life. And think about the moment when you knew that all your sins were taken away and you had a new life in him and that you he gave you joy. Maybe you didn't have joy before and you had hope when you never had hope before. And it doesn't mean that you have, don't have problems in your life, I have problems in my life, man. I got kids that aren't walking with God now and I have some that are. But the prodigal father loved both the children the same. And, and I say your children are coming home too. They're coming home too, wow. So, Father, I just ask for a grace to to awaken our hearts again, to refresh us, to remember that we are born again. We are born again, and we are righteous because of the blood of Jesus and only because of the blood of Jesus. Father, I ask for forgiveness for any areas in my heart where self-righteousness has come up. There's times in my life where sin kind of disgusts me, But it's the people that disgust me more than the sin. And I have to check my heart. So, God, I ask for all of us for a grace. We need grace, God, to love. We need grace. We need grace. But, Father, I ask for grace to let us remember. To let us remember. To let us remember that there was someone that that shared you with us. There was someone that didn't give up on us. There was someone, wow, that saw our destiny when we didn't see our own. There was somebody that was willing to say, Hello, when they probably were scared too. Wow. So Father, we thank you. We thank you for the gospel. We thank you for your love. And we thank you that I hear the Lord saying you are courageous. I hear the Lord saying you are courageous. I hear the Lord saying you are courageous. Do not say you are timid. Do not say you are afraid. No, you are not. The Lord says you are courageous. He says for you to just have... Lasted and standed and endured to this long that you were willing to stand apart and to shine for him The Lord's saying just for you to live your life in righteousness for him is takes boldness and courage The Lord says you've already been rejected by men the Lord's saying you've already been rejected man You've already been rejected for being a Christian He's saying many of you have already been rejected by friends and family members Already So I just see him renewing you and he's like, but it's okay because you've been accepted in him. You've been accepted in him and there's a great cloud of witnesses that are cheering you on. And I just hear the Lord saying, you're not, you don't fit in anyway, so quit trying. You don't fit in, you are different, you are peculiar now. I'm sorry, but you are. You will never fit in the world again. So I see the Lord just turning up the, the volume on your light switch. The the light switch is getting brighter. You're already shining, but the Lord is turning up the volume on the switch and you are getting brighter and brighter and brighter. And the Bible says, let your light shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify the Father. So Father, we say yes. We say yes to more shining. We say yes. We give you permission to turn up the light switch that we could shine and we could even stand out even more for your glory in jesus name amen